0: Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. As this is a church that exists to help people just like you. Find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10:10. And today we continue in a series called Called. Here am I, send me, based on Isaiah chapter 6, where Pastor Sean Azaro reminds you that we are all called to share God's love, to share the hope of redemption. Carry the message of reconciliation. RealLife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led right now to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at RealLife.org. The name of this message is called "A Father's Heart." Pastor Sean is teaching from Isaiah 6 and 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's time for reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: Well, we're continuing our series entitled "Called." And we've been dealing with this idea of God's calling on us. Um, As I was getting ready, I kind of uh, remembered a time when this was actually probably over 15 years ago, or in the ballpark of 15 years ago. We had been doing, like, announcements, you know, when you let people know. We'd just been doing them verbally. A person would come and tell you things. Well, we wanted to move to do news, and you've seen our different news things that we do, and So we had a family who was new to the church, and they were volunteers, and they had done that before. And so they said, well, we'll help. So we spent some time together. We talked about it. What does it look like? What are we like? And all that sort of thing. Well, they went and they produced. We gave them all the information, and they produced the first video. And and they came, and I think it was Saturday before the services, and they showed it to me. And the video was great. Uh, The music they had chosen. This, and it set the whole tone for the thing. It was this kind of little elevatory, kind of smooth jazz kind of thing. And I'm like, okay, River City, smooth. smooth. I'm not seeing smooth. The, the whole thing, it just had, and I like jazz, don't get me wrong. I, I really like jazz, but this was not John Coltrane. It just had that elevatory thing. And I just thought, oh, God. And it was just one of those things like, oh, man, I thought we were more clear. I guess we never talked about that. And so I went ahead and did it. A few people made fun of me afterwards, and then I had to go have that challenging conversation, and we got it worked out, and, it, and you know, we went, went from there. But what, what stood out to me was how I thought I'd been clear on kind of the mood and the feel and what we were looking for, and obviously I hadn't. And, you know, that's something that actually I get caught on a lot, because in my head, things are crystal clear. You have no, no idea how clear it is up here. I mean may not seem like that always to you, but to me, oh man, it's focused, razor sharp. But that's how communication is, that's how, how, how it is, you know, you, you think you communicate, I have no problem delegating, what the, the thing that happens though is, if I don't communicate, communicate, and over communicate, which I tend to not, then all of a sudden the product comes out, and sometimes it's exactly what we'd hope, yay, and other times like, oh, no, ooh, er, er, and it's like, oh man, they didn't know kind of what was my priority. And I'm delegating this to someone. They didn't understand that priority. Have you ever had that happen where you've, where you've kind of released someone to do something on your behalf and it's like, oh, I didn't know you were going to do that. I wonder how often God feels like that. Right? Let I me mean, just think about it. All the different ones. And see, God is crystal clear. Okay? But think of all the things that are done in his name that you just go, And he must go, why did you think I would want you to do that? What possibly would give you that idea? And the passage we're going to look at, I think, is one where we can really begin to draw. The the prophet finds out. We're going to go back to Isaiah chapter 6. The prophet finds out, I think, through pretty dramatic means, what the heart of God really is. And I think that's that's really important that we're crystal clear on that as we... Consider this calling of ours. Go back to Isaiah 6 one more time. Last week we didn't read the whole passage, but this week I want us to read the whole passage. We've walked through, we've looked at some different things, we've highlighted some key big ideas in this, in this, around this theme of calling. But I want you, if you can, and I know we've been looking at it every week, I want you to, to listen to this scripture. I'm going to read it, I'm going to put the words on the screen. But I want you to read it, listen to it, as though it's the first time. Because... The imagery in the passage kind of takes us to a point. And I want us to see that. So look at the passage and do your very best to look at it with fresh eyes. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two his feet, and with two he flew. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he'd taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would bring your word to life. I pray that we would hear what you want to say. Open our hearts, open our minds, and I pray that you would move on our will and give us the courage to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we've walked through this passage of Scripture each week, and verse 8 is kind of the culmination because in it we find God's call. And what I found interesting in this passage is that up to this point, God hasn't said a word. And there's so much going on. I mean, it's all about him, his throne, high and lifted up, his throne. But you, the prophet has this incredible vision. I mean, it's sensory overload is the way this passage presents itself. And he sees the Lord and has the vision, and the train of his robe fills the temple. And then he sees the heavenly creatures, this, these seraphim that we only see in this chapter of the Bible. And they're so incredible, and they've got these six wings, and with two, they're covering their their face with two of their feet and two of their flying, and they're shouting this declaration, holy is the Lord, holy is the Lord. And it's so powerful, that declaration, that the whole room shakes. Just this incredible thing. And it says, and it's filled with smoke, and it's just all of this, and all this is happening. The prophet then has that response, that very visceral response of repentance. Woe is me, I'm lost, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. That's all because my eyes have seen the Lord. And all this is happening, and God hasn't spoken yet. And then the prophet says, I heard the voice of the Lord. What did it sound like? I mean, the voice of the seraphim was so powerful that it says the place shook. But now this is the Almighty. Almighty. And he speaks, what did his voice sound like? Well, quite honestly, we can only speculate. We don't know. All we have are the actual words that he spoke. But I wonder if these words give us a clue as to maybe the tone or even the passion in God's voice. What he said was, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? There's this longing in his voice as you, as you hear it. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And of course, that begs the question, whom shall I send? Send to whom? Who will go for us? Go where? Obviously, there's somewhere outside of here. In the midst of all the worship, the majesty, the shaking, the confession, the repentance, the restoration, all this is going on around him. God's thoughts and his heart is clearly beyond the walls of the throne. He's beyond the throne room. He's beyond the worship. And he's thinking about those who are out there. And and I want to suggest his heart still is. It still is. He had a message he wanted the prophet to communicate to his people, his people that he loves. And that's still where his heart is, out there. I got a picture of this. Um, at least for me, it was a, a very powerful picture. Many of you know we started this ministry ministering in the inner city, and we were in Victoria Court 's housing project and that used to be right downtown. Some apartments are there now, but it uh, used to be right off Durango, you know uh, right near you know, thirty seven right downtown across from the Alamo Dome. That was a big housing project we. <clears> At <throat> had a house there, and we did ministry there, and it was awesome. We partnered with the residents' Association and just tried to share the love of Jesus however we could. One of the ways we did that was a, a kids' club because the kids in that housing project, these are kids, you know, when you talk about at-risk kids or kids who, are, who have a whole lot of strikes against them, these kids did. Most of them were from single-parent homes. Many of those parents were drug users. Prostitutes. I mean, it, it was, and it was everywhere. It wasn't like hidden. You didn't have to go. It was all right out there. <clears throat> and if you were around it at all, you, you you saw it. You knew. And so, one of the ways we felt we could impact families was to go communicate to these kids. And so we did this kids club, and they'd come out, and, you know, had a great time. We shared the love of Jesus. Well, <clears throat> one day we were having kind of a big special event, so we went out and we're actually helping to gather kids. You know, and we're just letting. Families know and knock on the door saying, hey, we're going to have a deal, and here's what it is, and can the kids come? And so kids are coming from all over. Parents are sending their kids. Well, I go up to one house, and there's this mom and her little girl. They're African-American, a little tiny girl, just adorable. And I tell them what we're doing. I say, can she come? She oh, yeah, sure. She knew who we were, and so she just sends her with me. So this little girl, trusting little girl, okay? I, I didn't know her, but she takes my hand adorable little thing and we're walking off and as we're walking she looks up at me and says are you my daddy and i'm telling you in that setting in that moment that those words about knocked me over she was similar age to my kids lauren and ryan and of course the thought of either of them having ever having to ask a total stranger are you my daddy And to know that this little girl, that wasn't the first time she thought about this. She was too little to be having to worry about something like this. No, she thought about it. And she was looking. And she just thought she'd ask me. And it just broke my heart. My response to her was, no, sweetie, I'm not. And I said, but we're we're taking you to tell you about a father that, that you have who loves you. And who created you for something very special and who's with you all the time. And we got to share with her the love of Jesus. But I, that thing kind of wrecked me for a day, a few days. You just can't shake that kind of thing. See, because when it's statistics, and we all know statistics, we know statistics about <clears throat> single parent homes and the struggles and the challenges. We know about stuff that's going on in the inner cities. And we, we, you know, we can look at all the statistics. But when, when it's not a statistic anymore and it's a little person who's adorable and she's talking to you and you kind of got to know her name and now you've had fun with her and played a game and, you know, it's, it's a person. It's not a statistic. It's this is a little girl. And when that happens, it's like everything's different. And it occurred to me, God has that type of sense and feeling for every hurting, broken, wounded, longing person on the planet. He knows them. He knows their name. He knows their story. He knows their family. He knows what he created them for. He knows what they could be. He knows what his intentions were. He knows how sin has wreaked havoc on them and their family. As much as I love my own children, my grandchildren, I don't have the capacity Because I'm not God. I don't have the capacity to love as much as he loves every single lost, hurting, broken person on the face of this planet. He loves them more than you or I can love our kids. He knows them, he sees them, and he sees their hurt, their pain. And now we understand why in the midst of all that, God's gaze may have been looking beyond. And his heart had one thing. Who will I send? Who will go for us?
0: And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called A Father's Heart. It's in the series called Here Am I, Send Me, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. This is reaching for real life radio.
1: He had a message for the prophet to share with his people, and it was a message of rebuke and warning, but also a message of hope and a promise of opportunity. And his thoughts and hearts are with the people who he loved, who were beyond those borders, and I, they still are. Uh, look at this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians five. Look what the Apostle Paul writes. I love. The language in this. 2 Corinthians 5, I'm going to begin reading in verse 14. The Apostle Paul is writing to the New Testament church. He's writing to the church of Corinth. This is this second letter that we know of that he wrote to them. But we recognize he's writing to Christians. He's writing to us. Look what he says. For Christ's love compels us. Read that phrase with me. For Christ's love compels us. It compels us. Why? Because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. His love compels us because he gave his life for us. And then he goes on and says, so because of that, because of what he did, so from now on, because of that love that compels us based on his sacrifice... From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Note that phrase. It's very important. We'll talk about that in a little bit. We regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I love that phrase. That's a pretty cool ministry That incredible ministry of reconciliation and that phrase, ambassadors. You see, we've been talking about how this calling and how God has this calling for the prophet and how he has a calling for every one of us and how it's not necessarily the same calling, but when we read what Paul just wrote, it's kind of similar. If we're called as the body of Christ, as believers, as River City Community Church and as the individual members of that church, if we're called to be as ambassadors, then how different is it really? Different setting, different time period, different means of communication. But we're all called to be his ambassadors of reconciliation. And as we go, we need to remember this one thing that I think God was making clear to the prophet and I think he wants to make clear to us. Write this down. God's call is always rooted in God's heart for people. God's call is always rooted in God's heart for people. See, we get excited about the idea of calling sometimes. I think, you know, we we get excited about, you know, how has God wired me, and we do spiritual gift tests, and we try to figure out how he's called. us, And that's all a good thing, and we have means to help you with all of that, and I think that's great. We get fired up about how he's wired us, and what he's going to have me do, and we envision ourselves doing that, and it's it's exciting. The thing is, we better first remember God's call is always rooted in his heart for people. First, we have to be about him then about those who he's sending us to and then we can think about our place in all of that i think sometimes we get the cart ahead of the horse and we start getting all fired up on what we're going to do and what it's going to look like and how we're going to get prepared and we miss the big idea that it's all about the father's heart that's why i've entitled this message a father's heart we forget that the one who's calling us is a father who loves people And he wants us to minister from that point. You see, God sees every need. God hears every single cry. And his answer is to send us. His answer to the world is to fill a people with his spirit and to send those people into the world. And we better remember our call is always rooted in God's heart for people. A couple things that Paul's pointing out to us in the second Corinthians passage that are really important. We're called to share God's heart of love. His heart for people is a heart of love. We are called fundamentally to share his heart of love. Verse 14 said, Christ's love compels us. God loves people. Have you experienced the love of God in your life? I mean, think about that. God's love changed my life. I have seen God's love over and over in my salvation, in, in his provision, his protection. I've seen it when he's been there for me at different times, in his calling, in my family. I've seen God's love over and over and over again. But you've got to understand, he doesn't just love the people in this room. God's love, his crazy love, is for every single first person on the face of the planet. And he loves them passionately. And Jesus gave his life for them. I think there's a reason okay, why this verse is maybe the most quoted or taught verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's not just God loved the church. not just God loved the believers. God loves the whole world a lot. People... Are God's highest priority they're the thing that he sent Jesus to give his life for and God sent us to share his heart of love and I want to say something that message heart of love, telling is good showing is better okay in fact why don't you say that with me real quick telling is good showing is better I mean we all understand that right What good does it do, and I think sometimes in the church we've gotten caught up in this, what good does it do if I'm sharing this message, oh, God loves you, God cares, God loves you, but they can't see his love in me, and what's obvious is I don't care. How messed up is that? You know, the old saying is that, well, what you're doing is screaming so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. Well, that, you know, I don't think that's anywhere more true than If the body of Christ is sharing the love of God, we're putting up posters with the love of God, we got billboards that talk about the love of God, but if we don't embody and live the love of God, if they can't see that love in us. Look at Romans 5 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Notice the word demonstrates. God didn't just yell from heaven, Hey, I love you guys a lot, that's awesome. But you're sinners, so if you ever make it up here, though, it's awesome, I'll leave the light on. Uh, Tom dead of Motel 6, right? We'll leave the light on. No, he didn't do that. He came down here, he sent Jesus, and he demonstrated his love. Love with skin on it. And you understand, that's what he wants from us, to be love, his love, with skin on it. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says this, let all that you do be done in love. Let all that you do in church be done in love. Oh, wait a minute. That's not what it says. Let all that you do right after you've done your devotions and in that 20-minute period where you're still mindful and you're kind of doing good. Let all that you do to the people you like and who are nice to you be done in love. No, it just says let all that you do. Let all that you do at work, let all that you do, in the neighborhood, let all you do do in your family be done in love. And it's challenging and it was meant to be. It's challenging and it was meant to be. But see, what good does it do to tell of God's love if we demonstrate the opposite? See, the deal is we have been given the ministry of love. You want to know what your calling is about? Your calling will fundamentally be about God's heart for people, which is a heart of love. Your calling will be about love.
0: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in this series that's called, Called, Here Am I, Send Me. It's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org.